That's why the wellness industry is still making billions of dollars every year. And people have a 90% failure rate because we're not giving you the solution you need. We're telling you what you have to do. And people want to be free. Welcome to Scrubs and Squats, the podcast where we discuss health and health policy so that you're better prepared to make the decisions that will give you more power over your business, your career, and your life. I'm your host, Tiffany Ryder, professional athlete turned emergency medicine physician associate, health consultant, and benefit strategist. I have nothing to sell you and just ask that if you like what we're doing here, you review this episode and subscribe. Real quick, before we get started, I have to remind you that although I'm a licensed healthcare professional, my ramblings here are just opinions and information and should never be taken as medical advice or as the official views of any affiliated organizations. I believe that primary care providers are the real superheroes and you should check with yours for personalized guidance. All right, on to today's episode. Hey, good morning, Leslie. Hi there. How are you? Hey, good. It is probably the earliest podcast recording I have done yet, but I appreciate you being here with me and being flexible considering you're across the pond. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how we came to know each other. Of course, I am a registered dietitian. However, I really work with people who feel doctors just don't get them. They've heard some of the same things over and over and they've tried those things and they weren't successful. And they know that there are so many options, but they're stuck in this overwhelm of how do I put this together? or How do I make this work? Or I'm so tired of feeling like my gut wants to explode once a day or twice a day or seven times a day. And it doesn't matter what you do or what you remove. You have these things going on. And I really help them get to the root of the issue so they no longer have it. I do that through the program that I run to really help people to effectively keep weight off, live their optimal health, and not have drained energy, feeling like, why is it 3 p.m. in the afternoon and I could take a five-hour nap? Or why is it that I cannot get myself to be consistent at doing the things that I know I'm told to do. Those are all certainly things that I've heard from friends and family and patients. It's a ubiquitous problem, right? Like knowing what we need to do, but still somehow running into these bumps in the road and then having difficulty moving through that and moving on to the next step. So I'm not sure, but I suspect that I'm not the only one who doesn't exactly know what a dietitian does and what your role is in the healthcare community. So if you don't mind just telling me a little bit about what the traditional role for a registered dietitian looks like and then how you operate within that and outside of that and what your business looks like. Yeah, of course. I would say that a dietitian's traditional role is to work in a hospital. We see clients of all different kinds. You have a heart attack, you see us. You have a stroke, you see us. Cancer, you see us. Uh, different medical diagnoses, Crohn's disease, et cetera, especially like diverticulitis. You get admitted, first thought of diverticulitis, dietitian's probably going to see you, teach you some things you shouldn't be eating, et cetera. My first role was as a military dietitian, and we had inpatients and we had outpatients. So somebody comes to see me for high cholesterol or they had a heart attack or 
they're 80 pounds overweight or they just got diabetes or they have pre-diabetes, do a consultation with us and we would use something called medical nutrition therapy to help Mm -hmm. them. Medical nutrition therapy is only supposed to be performed by a registered dietitian. Do four years of school and a one-year internship. Our internship is not paid and yet we are the lowest paid profession in the medical field. So of dietitians migrating out of traditional roles and into non-traditional roles because we don't technically make the hospital money or an added service. So that would be where I think some of that comes into play. But I won't go down that road. In my mind, what a dietitian really does is they get into the nitty gritty of your nutrition. When you break your arm, you're not going to go see a foot doctor. When you break your foot, you're not going to go see your eye doctor, right? So people think I go to my doctor and my doctor says, do keto, do whatever, that because this doctor is wearing this white coat, they know how to help you. And that's not true. Unfortunately, it's just not. I'm not saying that there are not doctors that do extensive research because I know doctors that do. I know doctors that support one diet over the other, et cetera. But that diet isn't addressing the person. Okay, so go back to I break my arm. So I've now broken my arm, all right? Now let's say the part of my arm I broke is some particular like tiny little bone. So the doctor looks at you and says, I need you to go see this particular guy to help you with this surgery because he's one of the best, Mm -hmm. right? Versus, oh, it's just a hairline fracture. We don't really need to do anything. Come back in like 20 days. Let's check and see how it is or something, right? Two totally different answers. So... What we do is we get into the finesse and the detail with you to find out what's going on. For me personally, this is where it becomes a very detailed process. When you Google weight loss or gut health, you're going to get laundry lists of things. I need more energy. Laundry list of things, (laughs) right? I don't want to get cancer. Laundry list of things. And it becomes overwhelming. And not all those things really need to be done for you. So in my particular practice and with many private practice dietitians that I see, we are getting to the fine details for you. A lot of my gut clients that come to me, it's not that they need to remove all gluten or they need to remove all of a food product. It's certain food products that have additives in them that the additive is causing the issue and not the actual product. So if we can change that, we get a different result. So that's really interesting. If you listen to my podcast or read any of my stuff, you know that I love a little bit of controversy. I think it's it's good for medicine and good for life. I am coming from the other side, right? As a PA who was not educated in how to discuss nutrition with patients, you know, did not receive an extensive education on the science of nutrition. But what I generally feel is that patients need two things. So they need information and they need help with things that more appropriately would be classified under behavioral science. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so like I need to know, I don't know, eating just spoonfuls of sugar all day long is probably not good for me. And we've probably decided that that is some settled science that we're confident about. But also, I need to figure out what the heck do I need to change about my mindset or my, you know, my brain, my activity, my habits that will allow me to make that change and have that change be sustainable. 
So I don't disagree that there are likely some food products or parts of food products or additives that people do not respond well to. And so my question is, how much do you feel your job is actually teasing out those additives and those those issues with the diet itself, those specific details, and how much of a dietitian's job or your job in private practice is to really just hold the patient's hand and say, hey, I know that change is hard and here's how I can support you. I'd probably say it's 50-50 depending on the client, but less do I teach from a perspective of you must do this. And I help them figure out a way to make it work for them. That's the biggest thing that we try to do. We try to pick up the box of weight loss and insert ourselves. We try to pick up the box of gut health and insert ourselves. Same with diabetes, same with anything. It's like, congratulations, here's your new label. Okay, this is now you. You are obese, you're overweight, you have diabetes, you have high cholesterol. And then they're like, this is what you need to do. But you're still over here. Did they just tell me that? Yeah. Yeah. And some people, you know, Doc, you're kind of obese too. Okay. So you want to tell me I'm obese, but and what to do, but you're not doing it. Right. Yeah. So you have those people that will push back. So that becomes something where that client takes a little bit more finesse to doing things they can agree to first. The only thing you'll ever succeed to is something that you'll agree to. If you do something just as a means to an end, you'll get your results if you stick with it, but you'll flop every time. That's why the wellness industry is still making billions of dollars every year. And people have a 90% failure rate because we're not giving you the solution you need. We're telling you what you have to do. And people want to be free. They don't want to be told what to do, right? We work our whole lives, quote unquote, for retirement, majority of people. And why do you want the retirement to finally be free, right? So if I give you a diet that controls everything you do and steals all of the joy in your life, the moment you feel lack of joy and lack of where you were, you will immediately pick up some of the bad habits. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true, right? Like we talk a lot about paternalism and medicine, uh, and by we I mean I, uh, because it's something that personally, as a patient, and then therefore as a clinician, just does not resonate with me. I just do not believe that strong arming people and telling people they have to do literally anything is going to get you the result that you want, right? Maybe it gets them to agree with you and nod their head until they walk out of your office, but Mm -hmm. that's not really what I'm interested in. If that was what I'm interested in, I would, you know, have a different profession. So I can really appreciate what you're saying. And I think of all things that we talk about, what a person chooses to eat, the manner in which they choose to nourish themselves, right? The pattern, the schedule, the foods, the people that they're with is one of the most intimate things that we could ask someone to change. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, it's nice to hear that you're in tune with that and that you're able to meet people where they are and help them enact changes that will be beneficial to them, but aren't outside of what they're ready for. Yeah, totally. 
really resonates true to me that you're saying that you don't have to do things that aren't in alignment with you, right? Because your health is dictated by everything you put in your mouth. However, we all have a clean slate to be 100% healthy during our life. But without even knowing it, some of the choices we're making now that we think are making us free are actually placed in our subconscious mind at a young, young age. We watch TV and we see commercials for things that we want to eat them and our parents give them to us. Again, nothing wrong. My kids eat candy. My kids eat broccoli. You'll see them eat just as much fruits and vegetables as you probably do candy some days. And some days it's vice versa, right? Placing the stimulant on good and bad foods can play a game with you. Controlling when you get to eat, how you get to eat, the situation in which you eat, like going to school, dictate some of those changes in your life. So it's very interesting if you think about it that those are very intimate things to us, but some of them were just trained to us. And some of even those things are actually not in alignment with the inside of us on how we need to be to be healthy. Sure. Okay. So when you work with clients, have you found that there's a particular diet or a particular timing that you find yourself advocating for? I have to not ask the question. Okay. Not at all. Nope. I will meet the client where they are at. So don't get me wrong. A lot of them will count and portion control and write things down because they like that initially. They feel like they're doing something. Mm -hmm. But I'd probably say at the end, maybe 1% stays doing that because they like to do it. It's a control thing for them. And I don't view it as negative if understood in the right perspective. So I know that you live overseas. I know you live in Europe. How has that influenced your perception of the food system in general or how you show up for your clients or culture? Like what sort of impacts has that had on your practice? From a food perspective, more of a life perspective, there are more fresh ingredients and people actually know where they're getting their products from more often than not. There's, I don't know, probably like 10 local fruit and vegetable stores I can go to. They know exactly where they're getting the fruit and the vegetable and you don't pick them out. They help you get that. Same with a fish store. They have fresh fish stores all over the place. You can go and you pick out your fish and you pick out your cut and you pick out those things. Same with a butcher. You know, we don't really have as many of those in the States as mm -hmm. I feel they do here. I live in a very small community. And I want to say offhand, I could probably think about 10 of each of those shops. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go far. You don't have to go far. So that's number yeah. one. Number two is obviously every little product. My, my kids and my husband bought a thing of Spanish Cheetos. I was like, why did you people buy this? I am going to wind up throwing this away because they know American Cheetos, right? Okay. They know the finger looking Cheetos that we all know with the crunch that sticks to your fingers that you loved as a kid or whatever. Spain is nothing like that. None of the foreign countries are because they can't use half the additives. They can't use half the dyes. They can't use half yep. the things. My daughter ate one and went, this is gross. My son spit his out. My husband had four. And four weeks later, I threw away the bag as expected. And I was like, yeah. no more of these Cheetos. No more yeah. of these Cheetos. And, you know, the other thing that always sticks in my head was they have a fresh, they have a homemade ice cream, lots of the cafe mm. stuff like that everywhere you go. And 
my son and daughter always choose the ones that are most colorful, which I'm like, that probably tastes like bubble gum or fruit or something. It's not ice cream. Whatever. They're happy. So my son was eating blue, blue, blue ice cream on the way home. And I wasn't thinking about it as a mom strolling them home. They're both quiet in the stroller. I get home and I look at him and I was, oh my gosh, you're covered in blue. After, he's got a white t-shirt on from school. Yeah, so yeah, of course. Oh, okay, all right. Everybody go over to the hose and wash your hands and faces off. Have a little bit of fun. We'll just completely change clothes while we eat lunch. He walks away from the hose to my front door and I went, did you change clothes? He said, no, I feel his clothes. His clothes are sopping wet. There's not one drop of blue dye on his shirt. The water hose took out the entire blue dye. Now... We do have access to a base close to where I live. So we can get American products. When he gets blue popsicle from the States on his shirt, it is not the same. I'm going to be using some OxyClean in order to get that out. Yeah. Interesting, right? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, and a lot of people know that um, ADD parents, ADHD parents are taught to remove those kinds of dyes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they're not conducive and they are in things like Cheetos, Doritos, all the juice products and stuff that we have. And there is some sort of linkage. You know, it's not 100%, but there is some sort of linkage. So some parents will. Here, you don't even have the option. So, you know, it's looking at that. It's looking at my bag of potato chips of Doritos and seeing, you know, I don't know, probably 30 ingredients and then picking up their bag of potato chips and there being like three. Sure. It's definitely a difference. I lived about eight years right outside of Frankfurt, and my German friends would always ask me, can you get me the sprinkles? Can you get me American sprinkles that, you know, that have the red in them? To be honest, it is not something that I have read the evidence on because it hasn't come up in my personal or professional life. Um, But just the common sense experience that I've had as a mom where the dye is on my my kids hands or my kids face and you know it's there it's there mm-hmm. for hours it's there for the next day um is enough that I'm like well if I could avoid this you know we're gonna go ahead and do that like how much of a difference do you think people see once they're able to start identifying that they're snack of choice has 16 ingredients that they can't pronounce and maybe they should take that out. Do you find that people respond relatively quickly to these types of changes to be able to identify that it's good for them or bad for them? Not that it's good for anybody, but it's okay for them or particularly bad for them? Yeah, I would say it depends on each client and and where they're willing to start. But anybody that will do the legwork to get rid of the things that are actually affecting them will feel massively better faster than they could ever imagine. It's just where you're at, you know. Uh, Recently, myself, I love meat. I love all things meat. I love burgers. I love chicken. I love those things. But recently, I have found myself in a bit of a, I can't stomach meat. And I'm not sure why, but I'm willing to take it out because I enjoy feeling good. And that's really where I get to people is your choices are how good do you want to feel versus how much do you want it? And you have to choose. That's your choice every day almost. How good do you want to feel and do you want it? Which one wins out? And most of the time, the choice you make is actually subconsciously made. You're not doing it yourself. It's, well, we always have Kool-Aid and Pringles when we get home from school, like me and my sisters did every day. And I'm still picking it, right? I'm still alive. 
Was that healthy by any means? Absolutely not. It was, you know, straight sugar and Pringles aren't the greatest. But yeah, we still eat Pringles in this house, you know, but it's the understanding of how you feel and wanting to feel better. It's, It's understanding that you're not just affecting you as a mother, you're affecting everybody. If you feel bad, you have way less patience. If you hate the way you look and you step on the scale that morning, you're more quick with your kids. You remove your life by choosing to make these similar things. And I help people really get into that. And sometimes it is, I am going to choose to eat the Cheetos today, Mm -hmm. even though I don't want them. Maybe it's the only thing I possibly have and I am dying of hunger, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat the Cheetos. And I teach them also how to let that just be, I ate Cheetos. No, oh my God, I ate Cheetos and now I'm going to gain 20 pounds and now I just need to go off of this. Oh my gosh, the scale tomorrow is going to be huge. And what about all the salt? And what about all these dyes that they just talked about and yeah. the cuts that I heard? And oh my gosh, I'm really okay. All of that can be completely muted. And that yeah. is a part of what I teach. That is part of what I believe my practice is set apart on. I use the removal of that voice. De- detoxing your kitchen, detoxing your brain, detoxing your body. And allowing you to really be the, I'm going to eat that Cheeto and it is going to be okay. And I am still healthy and happy for it. Or grandma, thank you so much for baking me these beautiful chocolate chip cookies that you always bake me. But today I really just don't feel like a chocolate chip cookie. I will take them home and I will eat them when I feel like it. But today I just don't want to. And also being okay with a tiny little bit of disappointment grandma may have from you saying no. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There was a lot to unpack there because food really is such a social event for us. Right. And I think we've all been in a situation where we say, I don't really want this cocktail, but I'm with my girlfriends. And if I'm not drinking, right, if I'm not going to order one, then what are they going to think? Am I going to have to talk about this? This is going to be socially awkward. Right. But just finding a place, um, where we can be comfortable with our choices and it doesn't have to be weird and it doesn't have to be diet ending, life ending, goal ending. It can just be the choice that we're making right now because that's the choice that we've decided on, right? I think that's really powerful. A lot of uh, what I like to talk about on here is is really giving people permission to make their own choices, taking the power and handing it back to them. And I think a lot of what you mentioned here is exactly that um, and is perfectly in alignment with the message I want to get out and the mission that I'm on. It's not about saying that sugar is bad and you're never going to eat sugar. It's about saying, how do I feel when I eat this giant piece of cake? And is that something that I am choosing to do right now? It's really just an awareness of how different foods make you feel and what your goals are, and then being able to make the conscious choice that maybe you don't always have to do what your impulse is or what your 20-year-long habit is, but maybe sometimes you choose to. And I think for me, just having conversations with wonderful people doing wonderful work, this seems to be the consistent theme. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's about just understanding the impact And then taking your own power, your own autonomous self and saying, this is what I choose to do. And here's why. And I'm okay with it. Yeah. And then there's no place for that shame spiral. It's it's gone. 
right? Because I weighed the options and I understand the information. I have informed consent on this chocolate cake. And this is the decision I'm making. And that's okay. I don't know. But I just, I really love that message. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I'm not one to defend moderation. I'm one to defend understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. Moderation is key. I'm like, moderation is a joke. Okay. There's nobody that's going to sit here and be like, these are my three M&Ms. And I'm so excited for these three M&Ms. Not, right? So I like to move from moderation to very much like how you said. It's knowing. It's knowing. It's an inner peace inside of you that knows. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want these. No, I don't. And actually, you do have a cue in your brain that says, and now you're done. You mm-hmm. do have it. You just override it. That's what I believe moderation. Sure. So and maybe it is what? three M&Ms. Exactly. And but maybe, maybe it's, it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's the coolest thing. I do a trick with some of my clients to get them to understand how food is. I'll share this as a tip to your audience. Yeah. Feel free to use it. But let's say that you have the one thing that you're, I, I can't not eat it every day. I cannot not eat it. And then once I have a bite, I have to have multiple bites. Sodas are a big thing I do this with. I say, fine, keep it. First sip you have, rate it on a scale of one to 10. The moment it is no longer the number it starts at is the number at the time you're done. Ooh, that's pretty quickly. That's pretty quickly. And how does that work? How do people respond to that? They actually, some people will actually feel very good throughout the whole thing and will continue to eat the whole thing. But now they're conscious of it. So they're at least paying attention. So I do believe eventually it will slow down. Some, Leslie, I only had three M&Ms and then I lost the desire to want to eat more. Right. So how do you feel now? Did you stop at three? I did. So are you always going to eat three? No, I'm going to, again, do the test, eat them until I realize, you know, people don't understand that you actually really only enjoy bite one in the last bite. All the other bites are just I'm shoving things into my mouth because we're so unaware as we're eating. And I really get back to the heart of that so they really understand. So use that. So anything you think you shouldn't have or shouldn't be in your diet, but you absolutely must have it, where do you no longer enjoy it as much as the first bite? And then Mm -hmm. stop. There's the key. And then stop. Mm. Feel free to go back in an hour if you feel like you want more. Take that bite again, rate it, and do it again. And mm-hmm. see, that piece of chocolate cake that you normally eat in 1.2 minutes, okay, might actually take you an entire day and you'll wind up throwing half of it away because you realize that you weren't enjoying it as much as you thought you were. Yeah. I mean, what I like about that approach of that story is that, again, it brings more awareness. It allows you to be in the driver's seat of your own life and your choices. It's really Mm. great. How can people find you once they find you? What does that process look like? Because I love to talk to people doing cool things, but I also want to make sure that my audience understands if they want to dig deeper, how that works. Yeah, great question. So my top two places I really send people is either my Facebook group called The Foodie Motion Code, or I also send them to my YouTube, which is just Leslie Urbis YouTube channel. I do a live YouTube video every single day. So I'm oh, really awesome. trying to give. Yeah, thanks. I, I really do try to give to people that follow me on YouTube. I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do there. So that's a great place to start. Underneath every single video, you'll find a link to book a call. It works out really well. I have multiple ways to work with me. I have the tip top where I'm going to get really nitty gritty with you. I can handle all of your nutrition for you and completely take it off of your plate so you no longer have to think about it and make your life really simple. 
I have other programs where we work more one-to-one and you're doing a lot of the changes yourself and really taking over your health. And then I do have self-study courses where you can walk through at your own pace. I do work with people typically somewhere from three to 12 months. And I use my four pillar system of secret energy of food, detoxing your kitchen, energy work, and then the neuroscience piece, which is what I was tapping into with a lot of the things you're doing is subconscious. If you hated exercise and gym in school and were forced to do it, that can be what's translating into why you hate exercise now. And if I find you the right exercise, you might actually like to do it. So, I, you know, I, I typically equate that to that's why people do things like Taekwondo and pole dancing for fun. Yeah. Because those things give us an immense release. And it's almost like a, it's almost like a, what do you call that? Like a guilty pleasure. I am working out while I'm messing around on a strip pole, which in sure. some way in our mind is very controversial, right? Yeah. Instead of like Taekwondo or karate, it's, I'm working out while I get to kick something and yeah. not get yelled at, you know, yeah. those little tricks will take you such a far way. And that's where all my pieces come into play. Each one of those pillars are needed to get you there. I truly believe that every diet plan out there really only scratches what I call the secret energy of food, which is more of what to do mm-hmm. instead of now I know what to do. Everybody can Google what to do. Yep. Follow it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when you're repetitively doing that and you're still not getting results, you need these other pillars. When you know I have done it a million times, this is the solution. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I, for some reason, am not connected with you on YouTube. So now that is the okay. first thing I'm going to do when I get off of this call. I have to just say, I showed up to this call. And looking for my headphones, just sort of, you know, it is early in my defense, but Leslie's sitting over there just very confidently all set up for this podcast. And I thought she must do this all the time. And little did I know you do this every day. So I will absolutely yes. zip over there and check that it. out. Yeah, I really love YouTube and podcasting for long form content because I think it really allows me as a listener when I'm on the listening client end to understand more about who this person is. Because for me, if I'm going to work with someone, it's not about necessarily what their system is or what they employ in the course of their work. It's really about who they are. And I just love YouTube as a service, like being able to go on and see someone and hear what they have to say and learn a little bit about what their personality is and decide if that's the person that I need to help me get to the next level. So I love that you're doing that. Thanks. I agree. I love YouTube and I love to share as many things as I can on there. So Yeah, that was my plug to everyone to check this out on YouTube and check Leslie out on YouTube because I think it's really cool. Yeah. All right, Leslie. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'll put links to your YouTube channel. I'll put links to your website, all of that stuff. Um, I just really enjoy what you're doing. I enjoy that you are meeting people where they are. You're saying, yes, I know some things. I work with a lot of people and I went to school and learned this stuff, but also you're the expert on your body and I'm not trying to tell you what to do, which is... yeah. The world needs a little bit more of, in my opinion. 
So. I completely agree. All right. Well, awesome. Enjoy that beautiful, beautiful Spanish weather. And and I just really enjoyed having the chance to catch up and, and get to hear about what you're doing. Agreed. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. All right. That is it for today's episode of Scrubs and Squats. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please like, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week.